0: We came a long way, that's what the song said, and I could do all things, I could do all things, yeah, I could do all things, yeah, yeah, we came a long way hey what's up what's going on and welcome to the be real podcast where we keep it real on social issues history news faith and everything in between it's your one-stop podcast with thought-provoking talk and real content now it's time to get real with your host brandon mosley what's up you already know what i'm gonna tell you swag it out enjoy this yeah yeah long way that's what the songs say I can do all things yeah yeah mm. I can do all things what's going on y'all this that song really be hitting man I'm telling you hopefully you're enjoying the intro music I am I am so hopefully you are enjoying it as well but welcome welcome it's your guy Brandon Mosley the one and only. That kind of rhymed. I might need to get back in the booth. I'm joking. Uh, But what's going on, guys? So we got a jam-packed show today, and hopefully it's one that you're willing and able to learn from and enjoy. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you to all the listeners out there, those who are continuing to uh, listen and those who are tapping in every Monday with me. I appreciate you. And those who are listening, please uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button on whatever uh, podcast platform you're using from Apple to Podbean to uh, whatever else you're using. I, there's a list, I'm on like eight or nine different platforms. So if you're listening on that platform, make sure you subscribe. And also, if you're on the Apple podcast, please make sure you give me a five star and write a review. I really do appreciate it. Um, and yeah, guys, thank you. If you are on Facebook, Instagram, feel free to like the page, Be Real Podcast. Uh, you can find it on either either one, Instagram or Facebook. So, other than that, let's get into it. So, what are we talking about today? So today, I want to talk about reparations. So this debate has been heating up um, the last couple of years. It started to catch some fire during um, last year. And now it's, it's back in the limelight. But realistically, um, I want to dig kind of deep and look at reparations a little deeper than what we sometimes look at it and look at the whole scope of it. But ever since, you know, when we think of reparations, a lot of times it's been almost like a joke. So before we get into it and get into my story, I have I want you guys to listen to this skit from David Chappelle. Our top story, as we all know, Congress recently approved paying over a trillion dollars to African Americans as reparations for slavery. Well, today the first checks were sent out. Thanks, Chuck. We're standing here in front of the Olympic Liquor Store in Queens, where scores of African Americans have been lined up for hours. We spoke to a few of them earlier. Get the money, y'all. There's poor people around. <laughs> right, babe. I just bought this truck straight cash. And I got enough cigarettes to last me and my family for the rest of my lives. I'm rich. These checks
1: aren't just affecting things on Beach Street. Wall Street is having a big day as well. A lot of activity, as you can imagine, here on the market. These people are spending money like hotcakes. Get this. Sprint stock has skyrocketed after the news that 2 million delinquent phone bills have been paid just this morning. Incredible. Gold is way up. Diamonds are at their most expensive level ever catchphrase around here is certainly bling bling. Oil has dropped to $1.50 a barrel, while chicken shot to $600 a bucket. Amazing news there. Just about everything on the market is up. However, watermelon is surprisingly flat to find many analysts out there. Cadillac announced that they sold three million Escalade trucks this afternoon alone. It's incredible, Chuck. These people just seem to be breaking their necks to give this money right back to us. Folks, I am happy to report that the recession is now officially over and we have nobody to thank but all these black
0: people with their taste for expensive clothes, fancy cars, and of course gaudy jewelry. Crime rate has fallen to zero percent. So I know you're thinking that that was hilarious and David Chappelle does always does a great job with using racism and turning it into a joke but he ends with something serious when he says crime rates at zero percent. So, although it was a, a joke and um, a lot of humor in it, there's some reality in there. The fear is, or the words that we always heard, like, well, if you give African Americans money, they're just going to waste it, right? They're going to buy cars, jewelry, jewelry, and so forth and so on. Um, but the funny thing is, it it's really doesn't matter if they do decide to do that, which I, I, I don't think... That would be the case, but if they do, doesn't matter. It would be their money to do that with, right? Um, and just like in that skit, it changed the economy, right? It changed the economy for the good and crime rate was at a 0%. So those are jokes, but he's putting those things in there for a reason and we'll get to some of that stuff down the road. But understand this issue is heating back up because in 2019, during the Debates that the Democratic Party was having looking for the president to be or the president-elect. Reparations were like a serious deal where every single person that was running for presidency commented on it and had a plan or had an idea at least to start looking at it. Um, And with what has happened in the last few months with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the list goes on, and with Black Lives Matter movement just growing to you know the levels that it is today, historic levels. People are looking at reparations again, um, but I want to make sure when we look at them in this episode that we look at look at reparations in a kind of a different light than it has been uh, recently. But what I want to also talk to, talk about is my personal story of reparations, um, and I think it truly starts for me with Spike Lee hearing about the 40 Acres and a Mew, the name of his production company. And that's something I always knew about. I asked my parents what that was when I was like five, six, seven years old, what have you. And they told me um, what that meant. You know, every black person that was, or that was a slave would receive 40 Acres and a Mew, right? That's something that stuck with me my whole life. So I, I can remember working at a barbershop when I'm, you know, the summer before eighth grade, I worked all that summer and all through eighth grade and working at an all-black barbershop, you you get to hear a lot of cats talk and you learn things and I used to just, just soak everything up. You know, I learned how to play uh, checkers really well. I, I already knew how to play dominoes, but it, they they honed, honed my skills in dominoes playing with the older guys. They gave me so much game, as we would call it. And I remember they used to play this, this um, tape of some... Um, speaker I didn't know who he was he, he he was in the vein of a Malcolm X type vein and he would talk about and I would joke with him I'm like what is he talking about he would say they they uh shampooed us they shammed us and left us with the pool where's the 40 acres in the mew and I'm like dang bro got bars so I, I didn't know like exactly what what was go, what was he saying but you know I asked him like what, what what's this shampoo he, he's talking about and some of the older fellas would tell me that you know, they promised us so much and we never received it and they shammed us. You know, we built this country and we we're supposed to get 40 acres and a mule and some land and how much different would the world be? But they don't care about us. And this is stuff I was hearing and I'm, you know, 12, 13 years old. So this is shaping the way I'm looking at the world. I'm like, wow, that, this is crazy. So by the time I get to high school and I, I'm a senior in AP government and this comes back up, I, I started to. I don't want to say I debated the teacher, but my idea was, well, have you have you thought about this, about reparations? And the first thing I said was, you know, I used a Malcolm X quote, even I was 17, maybe 18, and I told him, you know, education is a passport to the future, and the future belongs to those who prepare for it today. That's Malcolm X. And I, and I told the teacher that, well, why wouldn't education be a part of reparations, right? Why wouldn't a college education be a part of that? And this is, you know, 2004, 2005. And, you know, we went back and forth and he didn't understand, like, why would would education be a part of it? And he just kept saying, well, they, you know, people want money um, and I, they I don't think it, I think it's too late to give them money. Um, So we went back and forth and, you know, to no prevail, of course. But that lets me know that, you know, this has been a part of the conversation in America for hundreds of years. So. Let's see exactly where the conversation is today. But before we figure out where it is today, I want us to go through um, what reparations actually may be, uh, the history of reparations, uh, some missed opportunities. Um, is reparations only about slavery? The different ideas that they have today and different bills that are out. And we'll look at you know some of the things that could be done. So that's what the show's going to be in a nutshell. So get ready, enjoy. So before we get into what reparations look like, let's look at the definition. So the definition from the Webster is this. To make amends, offering atonement or giving satisfaction for a wrong or injury. So trying to fix something, you know, repair. And also some some people who are In the argument of reparations, they came up with um, another definition, ARC, which means acknowledgement. So you have to first acknowledge the wrong and acknowledge the benefit from the wrong. So acknowledge the benefit that white America has received from slavery and also to redress. So to set right or to find some form of remedy and thirdly, closure. So to be able to move on from the wrong, mend it, and in a better place. So that's what reparations are supposed to be all about. And most people look at reparations as simply compensation for slavery, right? They just look at it as the idea of the 40 acres and the mule and the history of that. So I want to look at the history of the 40 acres and a mule and where that actually comes from. So the original reparations started with the idea that 40 acres and a mule and every black person's heard about it, right? Um, that's almost like a, a, a tale that's been told from generations to generations moving forward. And the thing is, we've never been told that reparations actually started for some slaves nearly 100 years before 1865. So back in 1783, a free woman by the name of Belinda Royale, this is, you know, the beginning of America, right? Um, We're just trying to become a country. She comes to petition the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and she requests reparations from her former slave owner. Her slave owner, her former slave owner, um, Isaac Royale and his son, both were loyal to the crown of Great Britain. He, they flee or he flees, actually, the junior, or the, the, the son flees back to Great Britain and she sues and she actually wins. And they give her 15 pounds and 12 shillings for pension to pay to be paid out from Isaac Royale estate. So this is something that came and was paid consistently, right? For um, another example is with the Quakers. The Quakers in New York, New England, and Baltimore. Which, if, if you know anything about history, they are um, extremely religious set of people, right? And to become a part of their membership, um, you had to compensate. Your former slaves. And if you didn't do that, you could not join uh, the Quakers. So in 1782, one of the Quakers, Robert uh, Pleasants, emancipated 78 of his slaves, right? But here's the deal he also granted them 350 acres and built a school to, to help provide education for those slaves, right? And here's a couple other examples. This is, this is crazy when, I, when I'm reading this stuff and doing this research, right? We have Edward Coles, who was an understudy of Thomas Jefferson. Um, he took the slaves that he inherited and freed them, right? Took them to the north and freed them. And on top of that, he gave them and granted them all uh, plots of land in Illinois, also, John Randolph, a cousin of Thomas Jefferson, upon his death, he freed all his slaves. And on top of that, everyone that was over the age of 40 received 10 acres of land. Right. So this idea of, you know, reparations was not new by the time of 1865. The crazy thing, even people who fought for the Confederate side, um, was for reparations. Um, one one gentleman was a, a veteran, Walter Vaughn. He believed that reparations would actually stimulate the Southern economy. Uh, if given to African Americans, would change the economy and help the economy of the South. So, to say that this is a very narrow, you know, argument, or that it's a, a vacuum in history, would be very incorrect. So how do we even get to the 40 acres uh, and the mule? How do we get to this field order 15 that everyone talks about? So listen to this real quick.
1: 40 acres and a mule is a kind of shorthand, the convergence between the government's policy and the true aspirations of free people. General Sherman and the U.S. Army had marched through Georgia. Many hundreds and thousands of enslaved people had run away and come toward the U.S. forces looking for freedom, escaping from slavery, trying to find a way to get free. General Sherman and Stanton, the Secretary of War, had a meeting with about 20 African-American ministers there in Savannah, and at that meeting, Sherman said, what do your people want? The men gathered there, nominated as their spokesman, a man named Garrison Fraser.
0: The way we can best take care of ourselves is to have land and turn it and till it. By our own labor, we want to be placed on land until we are able to buy it and make it our own.
1: And when they were asked, you know, why, or are you sure you don't want to live among the white people? He said, no, uh, I think that the prejudice among the whites is so deeply held that it would take a very, very long time for them to get over it. And four days later, Sherman issued what's known as Special Field Order Number 15, and the order basically said people can have family-sized plots, about 40 acres each, that they can settle on in a swath of land that stretched from the northern parts of South Carolina all the way down through Georgia and into a little bit of Florida and extending from the coast and the sea islands about 30 miles inland.
0: Wow, right? So now we know that 20 African-American ministers came together and came up with the plan of the 40 acres, right, giving African-Americans land, property to do something with. Because here's the deal, freedom means much of nothing if you don't have ownership. You have to own something to feel free, right? Life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness really, pursuit of property, right? But here's the deal we know the mules was just thrown in, so it's not really in that order, you know, at all. But how do we get to January 16th, right? Or really January 12th when they met? Like, what sparked them to meet? So, here's some background history. So, we know that. Sherman had that march to the sea, where he went through Georgia, burning everything. He called it total war, and he said he wanted the people, the civilians, to feel the full weight or full hand of war. That they've been tricked to think that the South was winning. They're gonna feel this. So he went through the South, burning everything, taking corn, taking um, all livestock, and anything that they could not use was burned burned down completely. So and he's throwing. Of course, um, destroying the, the land, the salt and the land, things of that nature um, to prevent them from ever, you know, in any time in the near future to use that land to grow again. So he was literally destroying everything. So it was him and um, another general General Jefferson Davis. So what was happening was all these free slaves when they came in they were they were freed once the you know the union army came they had nowhere else to go and years before any slave that was free they would run to you know some union officer or what have you and would stay with the company right so these people would stay with the troops they 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 were marching with them all the way through and Sherman orders were to get to Savannah as soon as possible so they get to a point where they get to a creek called Ebenezer, right? And the Union General, Jefferson Davis, has an idea. His idea was when that he's going to build a platoon, um, which is a bridge, like a floating bridge that you use, like uh, you, you build quickly a temporary bridge to cross the creek. He had 14,000 soldiers and he had nearly a 1,000 slaves with him. And they became too much like he felt like they were sacking them down and slowing them down because they had the Confederate Army behind them trying to catch up to them. So they wanted to get to Savannah as soon as possible. So his plan was to tell the slaves that we have another troop of Confederate uh, troops in front of us that we are going to have to fight once we cross this creek. So you guys stay on this side of the creek Until we're done with them, then we'll call you over, right? So the 14,000 people, troops, soldiers cross over and they, you know, start to take the temporary bridge away and the African-Americans, the former slaves, realize that they're not coming back and the Confederate army is behind them and only God knows what's going to happen once they get caught by the Confederate army. So they decide to jump in a creek and swim to the other side. Well, many of them could not swim. Women, children, and elderly as well. So many of them, hundreds of them died, right? They get back, when I say they, um, the Union Army gets back to, uh, gets to Savannah, and you have the General Sherman there, and you have General Davis there, and you also have the Secretary of Defense uh, Stanton there. And Santan was furious. He was upset because he knows that this is going to be bad press. So being upset about that, he, he comes with an idea that let's meet with local black leaderships leadership and ask them what they want. And then maybe we can get in front of this bad news and spin it and make it look good for us. So that's the reason why they met with those 20 uh, black leaders. They met with them because of the. Hundreds of blacks drowned Because they are left behind By the Union Army Right By allowing these people To be left for dead Not showing any uh, Heart for them And many of the soldiers were upset about that And they they went to the chaplain And they went to different uh, leaderships Different majors and things of that nature And wanted to make sure That the Secretary of Defense Heard about this so this is what they said was the cost of war and the secretary couldn't take it. So that's the real reason why they even had that meeting in the first place. So African Americans received the 40 acres and some broken down mules and on the on the island off of uh, South Carolina old Rice fields that was abandoned by slave owners who were afraid of the Union Army, Union Army coming. So they get the land and they start to work this land. And they have um, the Freeman Bureau that was controlled by General Olive, Oliver uh, Howard. And the funny thing is Howard University is named after him and he was also was the president of Howard for about a year. But the crazy thing is that 40 acres and a mule didn't last. So let's hear what happens, listen to this. In September, Johnson ordered Howard to restore almost all of the lands in the hands of the Freedmen's Bureau back to
1: the Confederates he had pardoned. It fell to Oliver Howard to go and inform free people that they were probably gonna to have to start entering into labor contracts with, in many cases, their former owners.
0: Howard knew he had to deliver this devastating news in person, in places like Edisto
1: Island on the South Carolina coast.
0: I could not believe it and so they refused to leave. The freed people start shouting, no, no, and then an old woman starts singing, nobody knows the troubles I've seen, and everyone in this church starts singing that song. And Howard is just devastated. The Edisto Islanders desperately appealed directly to the president. We were the only true and loyal people that were found in possession of these lands. We have always been ready to fight if needs be to preserve this glorious union. Will a good and just government take from us all this right and make us subject to the will of those who have cheated and oppressed us? We look to you in this trying hour as a true friend of the poor and neglected race. Their plea went unanswered. So imagine that. That literally you've been working this land for about a year now and... You've done everything right. You love this country, love the union, and now you're being told you have to leave. Or you can sign contracts and work with the former master. And the crazy thing is that Johnson hated, he hated the planter class of the South because he was a poor Southerner, but he hated, truthfully, African Americans more. He made these people, when I say these people, the planners who are wealthy, come to the White House and ask for a pardon. And he gave them to them. And he, he was ecstatic to just have these people come and beg for help and beg for, to, to receive their land back. So he had no problem giving them their land back. And the Freedmen Bureau, who had I mean, all this land due to the war and was ready to divvy it out, had to stop. So I want to look at these reparation ideas that has happened in the past, that we see different groups receiving it. And the very first group, of course, Native Americans. And I want to preface this with saying this is not um, any way to say any of these groups did not deserve these things. They definitely more than deserve and feel like they haven't received enough Um, especially with the Native Americans, where they received, I mean, some land back and billions of dollars. And this was somehow to remedy all the horrors that they faced from literally genocide to exile, being exiled out of their land. So we can never really pay Native Americans back. But America made an effort, right? Another group that they made an effort with is uh, Japanese-Americans with internment caps during World War II, taking all their property, their businesses, and putting them in internment caps for a couple of years. They received in the 1980s $1.5 billion. Another group, um, we would just say all of Europe, through the Marshall Plan, spent over $15 billion of that time's money. So that would be... in. Close to 15, 16 trillion today that they spent to help Europe out after World War II. And a part of that plan, they also helped pursue and push for uh, Jewish reparations. So the Jewish repar- reparations was given through West Germany, and that was $3.45 billion. On top of that, the United Nations and Great Britain pushed for. Uh, the Jewish people to receive their own land to create their own country, which they have today. So these are forms of reparations that we've seen in the past. The crazy thing is with the Jewish reparations that the majority of Germans at that time did not approve of giving any reparations. Matter of fact, only five percent completely agreed. Right. Right. And a lot of Jewish people wasn't too for certain about it and didn't want to receive it at first. Well, that all changed. Um, and the government, West, Western Germany government, pursued and pushed for the reparations and didn't allow what the public thought their citizens' um, ideas of reparations to prevent them from trying to right the wrong. So now we know about a few of the ideas of reparations in the past that America was involved with. But here are some of the missed opportunities, and the, the very first missed opportunity to right this wrong, and um, to end this issue completely, really with Reconstruction. I mean, we we failed it during Reconstruction with the giving not giving African Americans uh, reparations, the forty acres and a mule, right. But with that being said, a lot of states and a lot of areas like Washington D.C. turned around and gave slave owners' reparations for losing their slaves. So they made sure those who owned that property received some type of money. Instead of those who fought in the in the war against the union, instead of them going to jail, instead of them being branded as traitors, they received a full pardon and received money and their land back. Another really big missed opportunity that For some reason, it's not talked about enough is the Homestead Act of 1862. And there's there's another one or two different acts during that same time that, in essence, does the same thing. Um, Freeing up land in the West that were taken by Native Americans, from Native Americans, and given to people who are willing to um, work the land and make it a successful farm, which honestly wasn't easy but you could receive that property for $10. And if you can show that you're turning a profit and you're being successful within five years, the land is yours free and clear. Um, Over about 10% of the United States land currently today was given out during that time, which was 1862 to 1976. And 1862 was in the middle of the Civil War and after the Civil War is when this act really started to um, get, how can I say, extremely busy. More people started wanting to move to the West. Um, it was over 1.6 million claims, right, um, for this land. Out of that 1.6 million claims, only about four to 5,000 of them happened to be African Americans, which means that's less than um, roughly about a quarter of 1% of the whole amount of claims. And to think about all that opportunity, all that land, right? Um, Opportunities to own the land. And those who did receive the land uh, that was African-American, a lot of the times their land was uh, either taken away because of some form of taxes that was created that they couldn't understand because of lack of literacy. Um, And other means, also bad contracts that they were signed because they couldn't read, they couldn't get a lawyer because the lawyers that were there was only for the um, certain areas, would only work with um, white people. So a lot of the lands were taken from and ended up becoming oil fields, baseball fields or stadiums and country clubs. So think about that. And out of all that land that was given, $246 acres was given out, doled out to that, to so many people. And majority, more than a majority, pretty much all of the land was given to people that happened not to be black, right? And this land was given out right after slavery. So imagine how all that land could have just been given to slave families that were willing to do it. And they didn't have the $10, of course, because they're right out of slavery, just handed it over to them and provide loans and opportunities for them to build amazing farms and um, amazing living or wealth for their family. Another missed opportunity was the New Deal. We are taught that the New Deal was amazing, that it worked out, and the alphabet soup that our president at the time was setting up was working to get us out of the Great Depression. But here's the deal. Uh, The New Deal cost in today's money over $50 trillion. But it widely ignored African-Americans. One of the biggest uh, social nets that was created out of the New Deal, the Social Security, literally excluded, in the words, domestic and farm workers, which meant 60% of African-Americans at that time could not tap into Social Security. And 75% of them in the South could not tap in at all either. So the vast majority of African-Americans could not tap into Social Security and did not help them. Another thing was the GI Bill. With, after fighting for your, your country in World War II and there's a housing shortage and now you have all these big companies building houses, building uh, the, the suburban world uh, for people to come and move outside of the city, like Levittown, it was impossible for blacks to use their GI Bill. It was impossible because the GI Bill is federal, But it was being implemented locally. And locally, you had covenant um, rules or housing covenant rules where white owners would not sell to black people, right? Real estate agents would not show a house to black people in most of these nicer neighborhoods or newer neighborhoods. Um, And it was a shortage to purchase homes so that even in the neighborhoods that blacks would want that could buy homes in, um, there was no homes really for sale at the time. Um, redlining was another big deal that stopped African Americans from buying homes. HOAs was formed to stop Black people from buying homes, and even loan officers would not give loans to Black people. Right, so you come back with a GI Bill, thinking you're ready to build wealth, and you couldn't. Imagine if all those Black GIs came back and was able to buy a home wherever they wanted to, in the San Diegos, right, um, in parts of Los Angeles. Can you imagine what those homes would be worth today and how much wealth their family would have had based off those homes, right? All these things could have changed the way we're looking at poverty in African American communities. Um, and this is not even to mention all the money that was spent in 08 and 09 um, to bail out banks or to bail out the auto industry. Um, that's a lot of money used to bail out big business um, instead of helping. People who actually really need the help. So a lot of times we think reparations is only about slavery. But imagine this, though, that you have 250 years of slavery, right? And a lot of times we're told that, you know, slavery being 150 odd years away removed, you know, it's too far away right? You can't do anything about it. There's no one alive that's been affected from slavery and things of that nature. But I want to put in your mind for a second that slavery is not that far away, far removed from us. My grandmother is still alive today. She's born in 1929. That means she was born 64 years removed from slavery. That's not that long ago, right? And to think being a a person being freed, um, the joy that you have, right? And I want to read this quote from Frederick Douglass. and he re- and he says this, "The world has never seen any people turn loose to such a destitution as were the four million slaves of the South. They were free without roofs to cover them or bread to eat or land to cultivate. And as a consequence, died in such numbers as to awaken the hope of their enemies that they would soon disappear. And this Frederick Douglass in 1875. So imagine if you would, if you're 20 years old, being freed as a slave and you're missing your family because there's a 30 percent chance that during that time you could be sent off to the deep south or somewhere and, and literally lose your family. And imagine that you're freed with no education, so you can't read or write. You have no money in your pocket. You have no home to go to. No job. And now you're out in the streets. And now the new law is if you're out in the streets without a home as a vagrant, you can be arrested and sent to a prison and now be pretty much sold out to the highest bidder to go back to a plantation to work. For free. Then, on top of that, if you decide to find a job, the only job that they would have is to sign a contract with your former master to work the very land that you just were freed from. So there was no real opportunities. And one last quote from Frederick Douglass he says this about that very issue. He says this When the Hebrews were emancipated, they were told to take spoil from the Egyptians. When the serfs of Russia were emancipated, they were given three acres of ground upon which they could live and make a living. But not so when our slaves were emancipated. They were sent away empty-handed without money, without friends, and without a, a foot of land upon which to stand. It says this in 1880, August 1st. So he was saying then that Reconstruction was a failure and we failed African-Americans. So imagine slaves literally being left with nothing. After building this nation's wealth, they now can't even build their own wealth. And with that being said, that although many times we say they built it for free, um, they paid with their bodies, they paid with their blood, they paid with their lives. So imagine this 90 years of Jim Crow after slavery. You have 90 years from having the opportunities to be seen as equal being prevented. You have laws that will stop you. You have terrorism from the KKK organizations and other places like that that will prevent you from voting, prevent you from having a business, prevent you from really growing your wealth and building your life And every time you think you you are doing so You have a, a black Wall Street moment Where you have people coming into your town And bombing, killing, burning So you, you really can't get ahead Then after that you have nearly 60 years of The new Jim Crow sending everyone to jail Mass incarceration You have war on drugs and you have the crime bill. Then with all that being said, this is the reason why we we look at the average white family wealth is 10 times of the average black family. Then we find out that white college graduates earn seven times more in terms of their wealth more than the black college graduate. That blacks are two and a half times more likely to live in poverty Blacks are 13% of the population, but only represent 2.6% of the country's wealth. African Americans are 10% more likely to report psychological distress. And on top of that, they're much more unlikely to be insured to receive any help. So hearing all these things, here's some of the ideas that I've, I've read about. One major idea is a four-part plan that first consists of cash uh, payments, then college education um, being taken care of in terms of tuition-free, third, forgiveness of all college loans, and fourth, some form of land or property. And these four points are because, that, because of cash, of course, the necessary need to have money. Um, college education the idea of that education will create a new opportunity to gain wealth. And for those who already have their college education, blacks, black, blacks are more likely to have or to be saddled with much more college debt. So because of that, they can't purchase homes or they can't build wealth because they have so much college debt and property, because that's the most important thing in America. So much change, you can create new things, but you can't create new property, can't create new land. And some of these ideas are discussed in William Darity and his wife, Audrey Mullins book entitled From Here to Equality. And in this book, they actually take time to look at what some of this stuff will cost. And in terms of the cash payments, they look at the amount that each acre was going for in 1865 and brought it up to speed to this this year's um, currency. So at the time it was ten dollars an acre. So if you if you add that all up um, in today's money, it would be two point five trillion dollars. So that would be seventy four thousand dollars per um, African American that can trace their their um, heritage to someone that was enslaved. So that that's a lot of money, right? But here's the deal: the CARES Act we just um, approved, what a month two months ago was $1.8 trillion. And the next payment will be pretty much close to that. So between those two payments, we've already paid more than what it would cost to pay out reparations in terms of cash. Um, we are seeing reparations happening in small amounts today. One place that is happening in is Georgetown University. So they're offering tuition Um, free education to the descendants of slaves that were sold um, from Georgetown to keep the college afloat. So they sold 272 slaves and all the descendants are being um, offered a free education through Georgetown. Um, But the great thing is the students also voted to pay $27.20 per semester to also pay to the descendants. So they've approved that, the students, but they're waiting for the board to also approve it as well. So these things are happening. And in terms of bills, um, since 1989 all the way up to 2017, uh, Representative John Conyers from Michigan, Detroit area, he, he brought to the floor every single session since 1989 to 2017, a bill to create a commission. Well, Representative Sheila Jackson picked up the baton and she introduced a bill, similar bill in 2019. This bill is also being used, something very similar, in the California State Assembly that was passed recently, a couple weeks back, a bipartisan 60 to 14 vote um, to create a commission. And now it's going to the state Senate and hopefully will be signed from our uh, governor, Governor Newsom. So this this these things are happening. And in Asheville, North Carolina, a population of 83% white and 12% Black they, They've voted to create a Their own commission To re- create policies and programs That will introduce opportunities To build um, Generational wealth for African Americans So these things are actually happening Hopefully you enjoyed our conversation About reparations But welcome to another edition To Be Inspired And this quote comes from Jay Cole To appreciate the sun You gotta know what rain is and to think about no one likes storms because storms are difficult storms are hard to live through and right now in 2020 many of us can say we're living in a storm we're living in rain and sometimes it may feel like we're drowning out there um, but here's the best part the sun feels different it feels amazing after a storm after a rain it, you appreciate it more because before you understood that if I can get to some, sun, some, some sunlight, I can get to some change. I can get to something amazing. And, and here's the deal. Sometimes when we get too much sun in our life, we don't appreciate it. Like in the summertime right now, the sun is blazing hot over 100 degrees and we're getting tired of the sun. But imagine if it's middle of January and it's raining hard, raining hard, raining hard, flooding every day. And you finally get a day with sun you will run outside all day to enjoy that sun. And what I want to say to you is that the sun hits different when you've been going through a lot of rain. So so does the accomplishments. When you're going through struggles, when you're going through hardships, once you get to your goal, it means so much more. So understand, even though you feel the rain in your life today, some sun's going to shine on you soon. We're reparations a lot of times People say that you need to pull yourself up from, the boot, from your own bootstraps. But what do you do when you don't have boots? I'm not sure that reparations will be the answer, but something has to change. Something has to fix this generational gap of systemic racism. Something has to change to ensure that the black community no longer is left in shambles. There are many people that would say and even our vice president has said that the Civil War paid the reparations through blood. And he mentioned 600,000 people dying. But he forgets half of those people who died was fighting to keep people who looked like me in chains. We have to also realize that 180,000 African-Americans fought in the Civil War for their own freedom. So to say that to me, shows how disconnected one must be. Others may say it's very expensive. Well, so is the military budget. So is all that TARP money we gave out in 08 and 09. So is the CARES Act. So is it really about money or is it about the people? I can't make your mind up for you, but I hope you do the research. God bless. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy. We came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things. I could do all things. Yeah, I could do all things. Yeah, yeah. We came a long way. That's what the song say. And I could do all things.